0: Good evening. Let us pray. Father, I pray now that you would sanctify these human words by the power of your Spirit to the honor of Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, uh, did any of you see a few weeks ago the AMAs where Selena Gomez received an award? Uh, she gave a speech that made the headlines. Um, Back in August, she announced that she was dealing with some issues, so she quit social media. She said that she was canceling several of her tour dates because she was dealing with depression, anxiety, and panic attacks that revolved around the lupus that she has been battling. So she checked into a mental rehab facility and, like I said, removed herself from social media. And then at the acceptance speech just a few weeks ago at the AMA, the AMA, she said this. In 2014, this stage was actually the first time that I was authentically 100% honest with all of you. I think it's safe to say that most of you know a lot of my life, whether I liked it or not, and I had to stop because I had everything, and I was absolutely broken inside. And I kept it all together enough to where I would never let you down, but I kept it too much together where I let myself down. She then went on to say this about social media. I don't want to see your bodies on Instagram. I want to see what's in here. I'm not trying to get validation, nor do I need any. Well, Selena Gomez is certainly onto to something, isn't she? Uh, you and I like to put forward our best selves. I know I certainly do as a type A, nearly OCD, germophobic person. I aim for perfection order, and I love Facebook and Instagram and Twitter where I can present a curated self before the wider world. But Selena Gomez is being honest. Things are not all right. She's not all right deep inside. In fact, she's depressed and anxious. And she even has an autoimmune disease. Things are not happy clappy. Well, this reminds me of a joke, actually, uh, my aunt and I have that started a few years ago. There was some, I don't remember the details, there was something particularly stressful about this one Christmas evening. We may have even had a family argument there on Christmas Day. Uh, but anyway, while the mood was especially low, Just like my aunt would do, she burst out in song singing, It's the most wonderful time of the year. Well, I'm not sure about you, but that song is particularly disgustingly perfect. Just imagine that you've had an argument with a family member or a friend. You get in the car fuming, driving down the road. Someone cuts you off. You want to punch someone. And then this song comes on the radio. It's the most wonderful time of the year with the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you, be of good cheer. It's the hap happiest season of all. You know how it goes. It probably makes you want to punch the radio. It's glib and happy and glitzy. And this is only one example of our culture pressing us to make it a happy season even if our inner selves are crumbling. Well, the point I'm trying to make is that Things are messed up in this world. Things are not all right. Our world is broken. We are broken. Don't hear me overstate the case. There are good things going on out in the world. There are good Christmas parties to go to. People are actually being kind and nice to each other. We even see the development of Birmingham. Things are good. The the city is redeveloping. Parks, bike trails, restaurants... There are good things, but in spite of all this, something is amiss, and we all know it deep down inside. But our world has three general responses to this, this feeling that something is not quite all right. One, nihilistic anxiety, where we give up on this world and we turn to hopelessness. There is no hope left. Or number two, you might hear a message of empowerment. Be the change you wish to be in the world. Empower yourself to be a good change agent in this world. Or number three, just like it's the most wonderful time of the year, cover over everything. Just act like everything is okay, it's happy. Just just put on a good face. Think positive thoughts. If you've ever worked in the retail or in the food industry, you know what I'm talking about. There might have been an angry customer who just set you off. You walk to the back and you're so angry. And then when you step out the front doors before the customers, you have to put on the happy face, right? Everything is a-okay, even though deep inside, I'm not a-okay. Well, this is where historic Christianity cuts through all the noise out there. The announcement from Christianity comes into our world and gives us a reality check, if you will. It gives us an honest analysis of our world and of ourselves. And so tonight we receive Isaiah's specific word to us, the message that we have just heard from Isaiah chapter 35. Since chapter 28 of Isaiah, the God of Israel is wanting his people and the nations to know that he is absolutely sovereign. The God of Israel is absolutely sovereign over every nation and over everything that happens on this earth. And his promises and purposes will not be frustrated. And because the God of Israel is not a tribal deity who is here to support Israel and his people in their sinful endeavors... Because this God of Israel is not a tribal God, he first turns to announce absolute judgment on his own people. And once he has announced judgment on his own people, then he announces judgment on all of the nations. The announcement to his own people, to Israel and to Judah, to both the northern and the southern kingdoms, is Do not trust in the superpowers of the day. The message is it is absolute foolishness to trust in human power to provide and secure your own safety. To His people, the God of Israel says, I alone sustain you. And so against sins, idolatry, injustices, inhumane practices, and so forth, God pronounces a word of judgment. And we come to Isaiah 34, the chapter just before what we read this evening. And it's pretty graphic. Isaiah 34 is not so nice a word. Can I just read a couple of verses so you get a taste of what I'm talking about? Draw near, O nations, to hear, and give attention, O peoples, Let the earth hear and all that fills it, the world and all that comes from it. For the Lord is enraged against all the nations and furious against all their host. He has devoted them to destruction, has given them over for slaughter. And the word does not get any better. In fact, it gets a whole lot worse if I were to keep reading. Absolute judgment against all of the nations and against all of his creation. God has given up on this world, says Isaiah 34. As leaves fall from a vine when it is severed from the roots, so too will God's creation fall. The picture is sheer hopelessness. I am sending my creation to scraps, to the dump. In fact, in chapter 34, Isaiah takes Edom, this small country southeast of Israel. God singles out, through Isaiah, God singles out Edom to represent all of the nations. And he says this to Edom. Well, well, he singles out Edom. Why? Um, Well, because Edom, if we were to start back in Numbers chapter 20 and verse 14 the king of Edom actually refused passage for Israel to pass through on the land that God had promised his people. God had promised his people a land, and so Israel goes to pass through Edom, and yet Edom stands opposed to God's redemptive purposes. So God announces to all of the nations that he is about to judge them, and he uses Edom to represent all of the nations. But this is why Isaiah uses Edom as a poster child for judgment. Because Edom stands as a symbol of human unfaithfulness to God, as human opposition, as uh, uh, human power, human pressing against God's good design and His good redemptive purposes. So Isaiah 34 verse 11 says, he shall stretch the line of confusion over it and the plumb line of emptiness. Now that may not sound so graphic to you, but the words behind that are Tohu Va Bohu, Tohu Va Bohu, formless and void. God says to Edom and to all the nations, I am about to make you formless and void. Does that sound familiar? In Genesis, verses 1 and 2, we see the creation occurring. God is bringing life to his creation. And just before that, just before God speaks the word to create, Genesis says that the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. That is, the earth was tohu vabohu. God's message To Edom and to all the nations is against your sin and against your injustices, against your inhumane practices and your idolatry. I am going to send you back to the pre-created state. I am going to bring judgment. So perhaps many of my fellow millennials are right. God has given up on this world. The situation is hopeless. Our story is going nowhere. All seems lost. In the words of Nickelback's Chad Kroger, Someone told me love would all save us. Well, how can that be? Look what love gave us. A world full of killing and blood spilling. That world never came. Our story is going nowhere. And with all its brokenness and messed upness, whether out there or in here, It's certainly too late to correct the problem. The world should be scrapped, says Isaiah 34. It's like the second movie, the second Lord of the Rings, where at Helm's Deep, King Theoden and his troops, they're backed into the corner at Helm's Deep. The enemies are pressing in, and you realize that all hope is lost. Everything is about to turn to darkness because the enemy has won. Death has triumphed. Or take this season of the walking dead. Is there any hope left? Why should those people who are still living, why should they press on? All hope is lost. This is where Isaiah 34 sends us to the brink of despair, where we hope in nothing in and of ourselves. All hope is lost To our sinful world, our bent inwardness, our messed upness, our self-consumed ways, the God of Israel gives His absolute, full and final no. He will not let His creation go that way. Just a picture of this, I just saw just before I got up here, I just saw news of the cathedral in Cairo. A picture of humanity turned in on itself destroying one another, a bombing at Cairo Cathedral. Sadness. This is, this is the world we live in. And to that, the God of Israel gives his full and final no. In Ezekiel 37, God gave the prophet Ezekiel a vision. He sent him to a valley filled with dry bones. And he said to the prophet, "'Son of man, look at these dry bones.'" Who are these dry bones? Can these bones live? Are my people just a bunch of dusty, dead, dry bones? Is this dead creation all that's left? Is this story going nowhere? Isn't it hopeless? Our culture around us increasingly answers no to that question. But the God of Israel poses a question to us this evening. Church of the Advent... Are we here just a bunch of dusty, dead, dry bones? Is the situation hopeless? Is this all there is? Is the wilderness all there is? Does failing human relationships and sickness and illness and death, is that the final word? We here this evening are the church, and we gather around the Gospel. The God of Israel has asked the question, are we just a bunch of dead, dusty, dry bones? And the God of Israel has told us this evening, no, I am taking the world somewhere. Look at my servant Jesus who has come to save my people from their sins. We have indeed heard the stern voice of God's judgment against his bent inward creation. Are we just a bunch of dusty, dead, dry bones? Just like Gandalf's light breaking in at Helm's Deep at the last minute, just like that, now Isaiah 35 swings in to say, No, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold your God, he will come and save you. Church, here is the promise to you this evening. Rejoice, rejoice and be glad. Your God is coming to save you. Rejoice with much joy and great singing. In that man named Jesus, the God of Israel has come to you. He has made himself known to you. And he has shown his immeasurable loving kindness to us. In Jesus, we see that God is so very much for us. We see that he is the one who has come to rescue us from darkness, death, despair, sin, So church, are we just a bunch of dead, dusty, dry bones? In Jesus Christ, God has answered no to that question. God says to us this evening, I am taking my world, my good creation, to a good place. I am rescuing it and restoring it. To be human is to find our place in God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What it means to be human is to find our place there in the love that the Father and Son and Spirit have always had for one another. As the little boy Hugo in Martin Scorsese's film put it um, uh, just a few years ago, he said, Everything has a purpose, even machines. Clocks tell the time. Trains take you places. They do what they are meant to do. Maybe that's why broken machines make me so sad. They can't do what they are meant to do. Maybe it's the same with people. If you lose your purpose, it's like you are broken. Outside of the triune God who is life and love in and of himself, we dwell in death. We are just a bunch of dusty, dead, dry bones. Something is amiss if we do not find our place there. We are out of our natural habitat. But before we wrap up, we have to ask: Why such? If 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 the God of Israel is giving us good news this evening, why such? To borrow American politically correct speak, why is the God of Israel almost bigoted and intolerant? and giving us such vindictive, hateful language in chapter 34. Because very much unlike our American God, our distant God who does not intervene in history to rescue His people, very much unlike that God, the God of Israel does not allow free course to our unrighteousness. The God of Israel says no to our bent inward ways. He does not let us sink and wallow in misery and sin. And he directs us to the wounds of Jesus where he says, I am making all things new. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will walk, the mute will sing with joy, and the desert will indeed become a garden. We are God's people and we are on the way to Zion. We are on the way to God's sure and certain future. As Isaiah chapter 35, verse 8 says, there is a highway and we are on it and we are going to that place where God will be our God and we will be His people. And that time, there will be no Edomites to stand on that highway in our way. We will be God's people forever. And so until then, church... We long for that day when God will restore all things, when he will make all things new. We long for his kingdom to be consummated, to bring his kingdom to its final fulfillment. And so in the meantime, we can indeed follow Selena Gomez's advice and be honest with ourselves and with the world. Things are not all right, but God is making all things new. God's kingdom may be here in some way, but this is not all there is. So we rehearse in just a moment. We will rehearse the good news and we will say, O come, O come, Emmanuel. O come, thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save and give them victory over the grave the promise that God has spoken to us, we will now sing it back to Him. Rejoice! Rejoice, Israel! Because God who is with us, He will come to save you. And in that day, in the words of the Eagles' famous Christmas song, Please Come Home for Christmas, there will be no more sorrow, no grief and pain, and we'll be happy, happy once again. Amen.